There we go. Welcome back to another episode of Friday Night Cancer Attack. It's a lovely sunny day. I'm enjoying the sunshine, I would say, in this in this blue and white uh, serene surroundings I'm in, which is nice for a change because I don't really get to sit outside, really. I know it's not actually this green background if you're watching it on YouTube, but it's actually a nice situation where I'm at the moment, so it's all good. Some parts of the country are, are ruined with rain and ravaged around with poor weather, but it's all well and good. We're on a nice little relaxing episode today we've got uh our friend sam from the homeshore academy so his surname is homeshore did i pronounce that correctly you did spot yeah. on so it, i kind of just ruined the purpose there sam homeshore from the homeshore academy is on our podcast today um and we're basically just going to be talking about the social impact of um kids playing football really because it's the summer holidays kids are out uh what are they going to do they're going to waste time on their social medias are they going to waste time on their tablets but um, for me growing up, when I used to spend a lot of time playing football with my friends, my family, sometimes going to football camps as well, just to kill some time. And it was something that I, benefic I benefited from, I enjoyed a lot. And that's really what I wanted to talk about with Sam today. So Sam, if you're okay to just introduce yourself to our listeners and introduce your academy to our listeners, that'd be a great start for us. Yeah, certainly will do. And uh, I must say thank you very much for inviting us on. It's uh, it's great to be on your platform. I've, I've had to listen a couple of times. Our mutual pal, uh, Liam Stonely, who I know we just had a chat about off air, uh, shared the podcast with me. And I, I really like what you guys are doing. So, so thanks for uh, thanks for having us on. Uh, yeah, I appreciate the, the introduction. Sam Ohmshaw, uh, football manager or football coach from uh, Sheffield, England. Uh, in, in terms of what I'm currently doing, I'm the technical director of the Homeshaw Academy. Uh, like you said, the same, sur the same surname as, uh, as my surname. That's because there's uh, actually three of us. Uh, so myself, my uh, my younger brother, Ethan Omshaw, is also a coach. And then my uh, father, Simon Omshaw, who again, is also a coach. Um, so we, we, we run that project together. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll talk a bit more about that in a second. Uh, in terms of what the other roles I have, so I'm the, currently the uh, first team women's manager at Oakley Town. Had that role since uh, December 2020, which has been a very interesting time, obviously starting in the uh, the COVID third lockdown, I think it was, January. Yeah, lockdown three it was. So, uh, so certainly a very interesting uh, start to life uh, there, but but being there six months, fully enjoying that and preparing for the new season. Uh, I studied a master's in sports coaching at Leeds Beckett, been at Leeds Beckett for five years now, so I did three years at uh, the undergraduate degree, again, in sports coaching. Um, decided after doing the dissertation, I was probably one of the only students on the course that actually enjoyed the dissertation and the research side of things rather than maybe going out partying like everyone else as much. Um, so decided I wanted to stay on, do a master's, just study a bit more really, study more about the game, study more about coaching in general. Uh, and, and I suppose the good thing when you're doing a, a course of sports coaching it kind of offers the different side from doing your coaching badges. Yeah. So uh, entering the, the sort of final four or five months now into that journey where I'm just finishing off the uh, the master's dissertation. Uh, run my own podcast, the sports coaching podcast. You, you may or may not have heard of it. I've uh, been doing that for about a year now. Um, that's all about conversing with coaches in a range of sports, just talking loads of coaching uh, topics, coaching issues. Uh, sometimes we have different people on like nutritionalists or performance analysts, that, that sort of thing. Uh, and then, yeah, like I, I said at the beginning, the Homeshore Academy. Uh, the Homeshore Academy is a, a brand new football coaching company. Uh, we're specialising within youth age group football and, and senior football, and we offer both coaching and coach education. Uh, we came up with the idea back in October. Um, basically, I've, I've been a coach for about eight or nine years now. 
Uh, my younger brother, Ethan, he's, he's only 20, but he's been coaching since he was 14. And my dad's been a, a junior football manager for about 12 years. So it's just all three of us really working around coaching in different environments. Um, for me, I, I've always found coaching a bit frustrating, maybe in the fact that I've always felt a bit underappreciated, never feel that maybe we're paid as much as we should be. Uh, we travel up and down the country. I've certainly done that many a times. Uh, you know, parents don't always appreciate what we do. We don't always get players at, at attending our sessions. Definitely. Um, so I, I kind of just best. got, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I mean, that's all I collect. I mean, I'm sure everyone's situation, isn't it? But uh, got to the point where I just thought, you know, let's let's just do our own thing. Let, let, let's really do our own thing. Um, our initial idea was to start just uh, basically an academy centre. Uh, so we wanted to offer something a bit different to you know, the junior football team or, or I guess what the academies are doing we wanted to try and bridge that gap between grassroots and uh, academy football and maybe provide uh, more coaching from a, a different viewpoint you know like I said me and Ethan are a university student so the way we coach is probably a bit different to uh, the, the sort of common way of coaching or maybe the way of coaching coming through uh, UFA coaching badges uh, but as the sort of months have gone on and we're, we're finally nearing our lawn unfortunately uh, but we're now offering services in uh, coach education we're running uh, summer camps half term camps as well where we're trying to strike a balance between uh, some you know performance level coaching but also having create an environment that's fun for, for children and getting them out of the house which i know we're, we're going to chat a bit about later and we also run our, uh, our mini academy which is for the, uh, the very tiny 18 month little babies uh you know interested in intro introduction well obviously they're not interested the parents want to get them into football so uh we, we run the really youngs, uh, the, the youngsters as well services there. So in, in a nutshell, really, that's me and, and that's what the Onshore Academy is about. First of all, what a brilliant introduction to like literally everything that you're doing. It's brilliant that you've got so much on your plate, Sam. You're hopefully, you're managing everything perfectly fine. But I, there's so much for me to kind of digest before we get into our main topic. The fact that kids from as young as 18 months old literally are like the, the, the parents are like Project Mbappe, it's got to start now. We got to be ready to. We got to be ready to get this kid in into the Premier League sometime soon. That's crazy to me. Like you, you'd think they would have given them a break, being like eighteen months old. But I think it's just one of those things that uh, parents, if they want to do it, they will get them into it. And it gives them a bit of time away from the kid as well. It gives them a bit of independence, I'd imagine. Second of all, the fact that you've got so many things going on. What would you say is the kind of the most difficult thing you've had to? do for your women's coaching role at the moment so you, you did say you started during the lockdown you said that you've had to kind of um you've had all of these things going on with university and the Homeshire academy what would you kind of say has been the most difficult thing for you as a coach so far because we have you did kind of hear me like agree and nod by saying yeah the parents don't approve you have to drive up and down the country and you've got a bit more on your plate than a lot of people have because I well for one you don't get paid as much as you should and I agree with that completely because for me as a football scout as well I'm in that same situation where you have to sometimes do it for free just so you get the experience and you're just yeah. there like how much can I do before I get recognized in a different way but for you is you're doing it week in week out it's not as voluntarily as easy for me as it is for you because you're the one in that position as well so how has that kind of helped you develop as a person like kind of uh, kind of coaching that that women's team um for the last couple of months yeah, during yeah. Lockdown as well yeah for sure uh I mean, let me say it is it is difficult because you're kind of always juggling four or five different plates at once. Uh, but I, I think that I have to. I mean, my ambition, and you know, very happy to say this to you, is that I, I want to get into the professional game, hopefully as a manager within the next 10 years. But um, th that's really my aim, and that's been my aim for the last probably four or five years now. 
And I think when you haven't played professionally, and I wasn't a particularly good player, I actually came through as a swimmer when I was younger. Mm. Um, when, you, when you're not played and you don't have that capital as a player and no one really knows you, I think you have to sort of dip your toe in different projects and, and get your name out there, really. And, you know, try and let people know and, and hear about who's this Sam Holmshaw kid, what's he about, you know, what, what's his philosophy, what, what does he like to try and do? Um, would you but, say but you, you've done that as well with your podcast as well? Sorry to interrupt, but would you say your podcast yeah, no. is giving your, your name another platform out as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was, there was kind of two reasons for that, for sure. It was about definitely getting my name out there. I mean, obviously, there's got to be a reason why we do it. Another reason for that was I'd worked uh, for a, a couple of different companies at the time. Um, didn't feel that the way we were coaching was maybe the right way to coach within youth development. Yeah. Maybe felt we were a bit too focused on trying to get them to perform this certain skill when they're, they're seven years old. And it's like, was the creativity in that or maybe too much focus on winning? when the players weren't necessarily there for that. So that was a, a huge uh, focus for the podcast as well. Just trying to, you know, get some ideas out there and, uh, you know, masters, we have big names in rugby, swimming, netball, uh, hockey, all over, really big names in coaching. And, you know, I'm lucky enough to have discussions with these guys on a daily basis uh, where maybe uh, your average coach coming through isn't. So I thought it was good to get a platform to get that out there as well. Uh, but I suppose back, back to your, your question, um, uh, Certainly challenging balance everything. What sometimes I find is that maybe I sort of juggle one plate a lot more than I do with the others. Yeah. When you've got a master's deadline in, you certainly have to spend a bit more time uh, doing that. And that obviously limits the amount of time you can you know, spend planning sessions or uh, attending CPD events, looking at you know, little phases of play that you want to implement uh, with your team. But you know, it's a really good learning experience because I think anyone in coaching, you know, generally you're always probably involved in three or four projects anyway. Uh, with the women's team, the women's team was actually quite a, a very interesting challenge because when I took over the team, uh, there'd been a situation where the, the previous players had all left the group uh, for a, a situation I'll not go into. So we actually went in there with, with no senior players. Uh, we had a, a very strong under-16s group. We had a very strong under-18s group. And we had some local players come in and we sort of had to throw them guys in at once. And that was uh, certainly very challenging because you're suddenly asking these youngsters who, you know, want to play for the first team. That's been their, their ambition coming through the, the Oakley age groups. But you're suddenly asking them to play senior women's football at amateur level. And if anyone's ever watched senior women's football, it is tough. So it's kind of like Derby County's men's team at the moment as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Very, very similar. Uh, and, and, and that was certainly challenging at times because, you know, for me, my personal philosophy is I don't, I like, I like to give youth players a chance. I think it's important that we do that, but you want to sort of dip them in and out. You know, you don't want to give everything at once because it can be quite overbearing, but we had to do that because otherwise we didn't have a team. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of times where you'd think to yourself, is this right? But yeah, that, that's a bit of a challenge because you're almost going against your philosophy, but sometimes there's your philosophy and there's reality. And, you, and sometimes you have to compromise your principles. Uh, other challenging aspects, for example, were we knew that them youngsters were obviously attending the youth training sessions and we didn't want to overbear and attending our sessions as well. But then the sort of consequence of that is you're turning up to training instead of having 20 players, you may be having 10 because you've got some that are just shattered from obviously yeah. your training. So you, you can't actually do what you want to do. Then you're playing on the Sunday and, you know, we all know what fans are like, maybe have their opinions on, or maybe this is a weakness and maybe that's something you could work on. It's like, well, that's great, but we, we haven't got the players yet. So certainly challenges like that. Um, true, but what I would say is it, it's all been a fantastic learning experience. You know, 
like I say, you always have an idea when you're going to go into a, a new role, whatever you're doing, of how it's going to go and what you're going to do. And sometimes it does work like that. Other times you're thrown into reality and it's just completely different to what you wanted to do or maybe different to what you expected. And you have to learn to uh, really compromise your principles at times because sometimes you've got to. You know, if you've got a player who is going to win that game for you on the Sunday, but she can't make training sessions because she's playing for a netball team or she's training for the 16s team. Well, normally I'm the sort of person that players have to be there every single training session. You've got to train to play. But sometimes you kind of have to compromise that and go, well, OK, she's not there, but she's doing doing it for us on the Sunday. We need her in the squad. But then you're also balancing, well, hang on a minute, what are the other players thinking when she's not been to training and they've been to training and she's been picked above them? So you always challenge us. And sometimes what I've certainly found as a manager is you, you you do feel a bit stuck in the middle and that's not necessarily from pressure that's come from me from the committee or any of the fans. It's the pressure that I put on myself really where I'm a bit of an overthinker and I'm thinking, well, what are these players thinking? What is this player thinking? You know, what are they thinking about the situation and X, Y, Z and so on and so forth. So, I mean, that's that's probably the biggest challenge that I face. And, you know, obviously we you might have seen we've, we've got quite a big staff that will be quite unusual at amateur level. So we've got two mental skills coaches, uh, we've got a performance analyst. We, we did have Liam Stone, as we mentioned before, as a keeper coach. He's now moved on to Chester. Uh, fantastic opportunity for him, but we'll be looking to bring someone else in shortly. We've got myself, we've got Ethan, who's my assistant manager, and Simon, as well as my assistant coach. So you've got seven coaches there, and they're obviously spending a lot of time doing their role. But again, when you're in a situation where you've had to just throw a team together and maybe you can't get everyone there that you want to, that's quite challenging for them as well because they're putting a lot of time and effort and as the manager, you've got to manage that. And and that's certainly been challenging. Uh, but, you know, as I always say to the coaching staff, it's all about a slow process. And, you know, it's very rare in coaching that you see success immediately. You know, the, an outlier would be uh, Thomas Tuchel at Chelsea. Obviously, we've seen him come in straight away into the Champions League. But that very rarely happens. And when you've got coaches working with you, obviously they're very desperate for success. You know, we all want to win. We all want the trophy straight away. And, and the job as a manager really is to just go, you know, well, look at what we've got at the minute. In our case, we've got a lot of youngsters coming through. It's going to take a bit of time just to set those uh, expectations, you know, getting them to buy into uh, what your mental skills, you know, programme is about. Because a lot of them have never heard of anything like that before. Mental skills is a really new role. You know, England national football team have only just had one. So it's not many teams that have that amateur level. Uh, same with performance analysis. You know, players don't, who've never seen that before, they don't actually understand what that is and how that can benefit them. And then when you've got the analyst maybe feeling a bit, uh, you know, frustrated that he's not getting anything back from the players. It's my job to go, well, you know, it's frustrated at the minute, but we're going to get there. It might take us six months. It might take us a season, but eventually we will. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I suppose there are the challenges. But like I say, in terms of now, it's made me a much more experienced coach. It's made me a much more all-rounded coach. You know, like I say, you always go in with your philosophies. And when you ain't got a lot of experience, you kind of maybe lean on that a lot and, and as you gain more experience you begin to understand well actually this is the reality of the situation that we're working with and if we want to be successful we have to adapt and sometimes that can be difficult because you know I love the Ajax style of play for example I want players in every single week to train and play that style of play but if we can't get the players there for other commitments at amateur football we might have to change that and we might have to just work on two or three principles and that can be frustrating for me as an ambitious manager who wants everyone to look at my team and go bloody hell he's all right isn't he that sam i'm sure he's a decent manager but sometimes you have to compromise and that yeah, can yeah. certainly be challenging but it's just just all part of the job really yeah that's exactly it and 
the fact that you've mentioned as well that all of these experiences are helping you to gain more experience for the next stage of your career as well it's quite it's quite fascinating as well because when I'm listening uh, beginning my footballing journey and you who mentioned just before uh, you're around eight to ten years have already been in, in the industry and you want to kind of go on to that next stage go into the professional game work your way forward it works in your favour that you're having these problems now because you know what happens um, in 10, 15 years time when hopefully if there's a situation where you're in the professional game in the Premier League, in the Championship League one, wherever you are in, in the country or abroad even, you know that you've dealt with these kind of issues already firsthand and you're the one that's managed um, your assistant coaches, your performance analyst, your players, your younger players and you've played it in your way that you know you've already done this and you can work your way forward. And I smiled, I smiled quite a bit there when you mentioned about how your performance analyst is still new to the amateur game as well, because me being a performance analyst as well, um, for my, for like, I'm a qualified performance analyst. On my five-a-side games that we record on, on our YouTube channel, um, I'm there like analysing everyone's performance and we have our tournament coming up. We have a little tournament on Sunday, this Sunday actually. So I'm there analysing the opposition who I've watched and I'm like, this is what he does. This is how he's improved in the last, uh, last few months. And this is how we're going to stop it. And I'm telling this to like my friends and my team captain. And I'm just there like, this is how we're going to stop this person and that person. And at first he was like, oh yeah, he's, he's getting a bit too keen, a bit too happy. But over the last few weeks, it's like, you know what? And I, I, I see your value now and I see what you've actually done, not just by recording it for a bit of fun and a bit of a couple of, a couple of laughs on YouTube. It's the fact that you're actually learning a bit more about what you're going to be doing as well. And that's when I kind of started kind of coaching the team as well. Like I took, I took a couple of the players that I coached um, from our team as well. I'm not the best player on our team, but I was like, I thought, let me just try my, my way of coaching and developing fun games, fun activities where um, what works for me doesn't really work for someone else, but someone else will benefit from it because they haven't learned this way of shooting a ball before. They haven't learned this way of passing a ball before. And that's something that, is really cool when you're kind of teaching like younger people then they're like one or two years younger than me but when you're kind of teaching your under 16s or your under 18 that this is how um i want to see ajax play and not just a certain type of way but a certain type of method to your mentality as well you're going in thinking i know how i want this team to play but they're going to be thinking i know how my coach wants me to play i know how i need to play and it's always nice to like give them like comparisons and um, ways of playing and this is how you can look at um, your way for next time and it works well for you, for myself so I'm guessing it kind of works well for you as well would you would you say that's kind of worked well for you over the last couple of months in the women's team yeah yeah for sure and I mean I mean that's fascinating and you know I certainly uh, align with what you're saying there because often the, the challenge in, in coaching uh, particularly when you're the manager is you, you're trying to get people to buy into your ideas and generally that's very difficult when people are used to doing a certain way. So, you know, I take our team again. Uh, I, I really am a, I'm a huge fan of Ajax, but I also really like Pep Guardiola and I think he does some very clever principles. So one of the things he does is, is the isolated player, which again is something that originated with the sort of Cruyff, uh, you know, 4-3-3 total football way of play where essentially you get all, the, all of the players to one side of the pitch and you drag the opposition to that side and suddenly you've got two or three isolated players that if they receive the ball, they're going to be through on goal. Now, I remember introducing that to our team and, you know, them looking at me thinking, what's he on about here? We've never done this before. We've never seen this before. And, and actually, that was quite an interesting uh, journey, if you like, because you could see that they were kind of like not really buying into it, not really understanding it. Well, why would we do that? You know, you know? and then 
when they actually did it once in a game and it worked and we scored from it, suddenly you can see a few of the players going, oh, this, this works. That switch just went off in the head. That switch well. just goes. Mm. And then as time and time goes again, and actually when you look back at a lot of our games in, in the season just gone, a lot of the goals were through that isolated player. And as players begin to understand that and see that, well, actually, if we play this way or if we do this principle, we'll score more goals. That's when they get the buy-in. And that's the same with, you know, performance analysis. If you've got players that have never had that before, they, they don't understand, well, well, how does that benefit me? You know, and sometimes that's difficult when you're the analyst and you're doing all this work behind the scenes and you're getting incredibly frustrated that no one's looking at what you're doing. But players have to buy into that. And again, we've had a few start to understand it. Suddenly, they're interested. They want a bit more. They want some individual analysis. They want to have Zoom calls with our analysts and, and talk about that. And you know, it's the same with anything really. And, and that's one of the big things I I learned within uh, senior football. You know, when you're a youth coach, generally because youth players are at school, they're used to the teacher telling them what to do. So they're used to, yeah, we'll do that. You know, and they're too young to have their own opinions really. Maybe when they get to 14, 15, 16, yeah, generally. Young kids, they don't have any opinions on anything. But when you're working with adults, they've obviously got more life experience. They're not used to someone telling them what to do and they have to conform to that like you do in school. And suddenly, it's a lot difficult to turn around to players and say, right, we want to play like this. We want to do this. Uh, you know, you're going to go and attend these analysis sessions. You're going to attend these mental school sessions. Because if the player don't want to do it, they won't do it. And what I, a huge thing I learned, particularly in senior football, working there about 18 months now is, you have to get players to buy into it. And it's always, you've got to be patient as a coach because it's easy to get frustrated. You know, turning up, you've got this really good session planned and you've had 10 players rock up and you're expecting 20. But when they buy into it, then you suddenly are getting 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21 players at training. You're suddenly getting that. And, um, you know, it'll be the same for you with that five-a-side team. Then your mates probably looked at your analysis and thought, oh, he's a bit keen and he what's he doing all this for? And then suddenly when they understand how that benefits them or benefits your team, ah, we appreciate that now. We like that. We'll have a bit of that. And really, I suppose, you know, the sort of psychological element of that, I've always just found fascinating. Yeah, it was like that with, uh, so basically our team captain, Arif, who's also on the podcast as well, uh, he basically, I, I was looking at different ways that he could shoot or he could drag a defender out. And even though this is going out on Friday and our game's on Sunday, I doubt they're gonna, the opposition are going to listen to this by that time as well. But basically, when we were doing our training, I'd, I'd look at the way he would run up to the ball. He'd always go out a curved run-up. And I'm like, sometimes you don't need to do that. You can take an extra step in and you can um, faint with your shoulder as well, which drags a defender away. So there's a couple of one-on-one -on -one drills we were doing, a couple of two-on-one -on -one drills. And over time, it was getting better. And over time, I was seeing him do that in the games. And I was like, this is how you can actually... Um, defeat two or three people who are trying to not mark you out the game because if you're one of our best strikers and you're one of our best finishers we need you to be free and if you're taking two people out the game another person is free so mm. that person who's another attacker he'll be able to shoot and he'll be able to create some more space for you as well there's some things we don't agree on in terms of the style of play I'm the kind of guy that likes pressing from the front I'm an old-fashioned kind of guy like that way that I want to make sure that they don't have a chance to sit on the ball and I'm someone that's like I can't have someone I can't go to a five-a-side game and have three people at the back or four people at the back. You want to have fun at the end of the day. You want to kind of go in and enjoy. So when, like, one of the times he was kind of getting annoyed at me for going up front, I'm more of a defensive player. I'm in goal for our team as well. So at the end of the podcast, you need to give me free tips on how to be a good goalkeeper in a five-a-side game. So, um, but yeah, that basically that works. And he was getting angry at me. But I was thinking in my mind, you know what? I'm creating space and I'm taking away another defender. 
away from him, which gives him more chance to score. And he scored like six goals and one or two assists. I made like uh, three goals and two assists in, in that first game. But it was the fact that we changed our game around because I was like, I'm not just going to sit back and waste my Friday night not playing football uh, or just sitting at the back because I'm told to. I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to try something. I'm just going to work well in my favour. So it works well in the end. And it was kind of nice to see like me kind of doing something different and me kind of going against what people are saying because you're right, adults have their own opinions. They want to try something. But if it doesn't work off, they know what they can do for next time to make it better. And I think that's the beauty of kind of working with adults as well. You kind of realise that they will learn quicker because if they learn from bad experiences or good experience, they can feed that back and you can feed that back as well, which is brilliant. Um, but what we'll, what we'll do now is we'll just move on to kind of the main topic that I wanted to talk about because we are in the summer holidays. It is quite hot where I am at the moment. Probably it's because I'm wearing my Inter Milan kit in this heat. But besides that, it's all well and good. I just wanted to talk to you about how we mentioned the kind of mental aspects and the kind of uh, social aspects uh, previously. But I just wanted to know more about that from like a coach teaching kids. So you told me about how you've got your summer camps coming up at the moment. And we've had the pandemic where kids haven't been able to go to school or they've been self-isolated because the kids got it or all of this kind of nonsense that's happened over the last 14, 15 months or so. So I just wanted to kind of know how beneficial it has been for you as a coach to kind of coach these kids back out in the open, back out in the grass or the AstroTurf. And they're kind of socialising with friends, meeting new people, um, seeing some of their old people, but kind of learning a different environment as well. Because like you mentioned before, when you're having fun, you don't really think of it as learning. But if you're implementing football as well as keep t- uh, teaching drills, but the kids are laughing and screaming and having the time of their lives, they're not thinking of it as an education. They're thinking of it as fun, relaxing games, all of that. So I just kind of want to know how has that kind of changed um, for yourself, really, from before the pandemic and like during and kind of now in the pandemic as well? Like how it's kind of worked for the kids yeah. and how it's kind of worked for you as well? Yeah, I mean, great question. Um uh, a big thing for me within all, all of what, what you've just said there is uh, the, the topic of life skills. So, you know, obviously we've just had this pandemic. We've had people locked inside, kids locked inside. But the huge challenge as well for coaches, teachers, parents is that we're in this technology age. You know, when I was a kid, you know, well, I was born in 1996, so I, as I was coming through, you know, teenage years, childhood years, you've got the PlayStation 2, the PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4, Xbox, all that. Suddenly kids are spending more time inside. Uh, you know, I can remember when I was like 16, I don't think I ever went in there. I was obsessed with Assassin's Creed. It's all I ever used to play. And, you know, when you think about the COVID pandemic where people have literally been stuck indoors, you suddenly are becoming, you know, used to that. You're suddenly becoming quite a lazy person where you're getting up and you're just used to watching TV or playing on your Xbox or, you know, watching something on your laptop or staring at your screen all day. Suddenly you, you are becoming quite of a, a homebody. Um, that was like, sorry to interrupt, but for me, I was on five months of no. furlough as well. So it's kind of like, you, you know what you can do, but sometimes doing the same thing over and over again, is repetitive is boring and it was just nice in that last part of the lockdown so lockdown free from january i had the podcast to kind of work on and i uh, things to kind of do and get up in the morning as opposed to because i didn't really want to exercise because they closed our local park for like football and basketball and stuff so like you couldn't go into that kind of area so you're just there like i'm not gonna go for a run i'll go for walks but not for runs because it's kind of dull 
in that time of the year as well. But sorry, continue what you were saying about the change. No, no, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and you know, I think about myself. Uh, you know, uh, this time now for the last few months, I've been trying to get on the bike every day and, and do some exercise. And I look, think back, and go, why didn't I do any of that when I actually had time to do it before I was doing all these projects now? And and you did right because we were getting up and we, we didn't want to do any of that. And the impact for kids and, and young kids is massive because they've not been going out, they've not been having that social interaction, they've not been uh, learning life skills. So learning how to talk to people, gaining confidence through playing sport or gaining confidence through you know doing whatever, uh, you know thinking about school when you're being asked to do a presentation. These are all key life skills that as you get older, you, you need them in your everyday life and your job. You know, me and I get asked to talk on podcasts, for example. I wouldn't have been able to do that at 16 because all I ever did was play my PlayStation. I didn't, I didn't have that skill and I had to develop that later on in life. And the huge thing playing sport that probably people don't realise as much is, yeah, it's great that we're getting them out and exercising. You know, that, obviously that's a massive part of, 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 you know, playing sport and attending camps, attending coaching sessions. But the other part that people probably aren't aware of as much is, it's developing those life skills. So when you do a nice trick in football, you gain confidence from that. That's an important skill in life. You, you, you know, confidence is great for people. We know about mental health these days, for example. So if you feel confident, you know, generally attack the day, as Gary Neville says. Uh, you know, we, a good thing that we do, for example, is we, we get the captains. We, we, we try and encourage leadership skills. We try and get the captains to, to lead the team talks, sometimes yeah. lead one or two of the sessions. And again, that's trying to encourage them or teach them life skills so that when they go to work in two or three years' time and they're being asked to do a presentation in front of a group of people, no problem. And that's the huge element as well now of going back to sport. Children are being subjected to this, you know, social skills, communication. If you're playing in a football team, you're learning how to talk against people. You know, my brother's 16, locked inside. You know, when he first come out in March, he, he couldn't talk to anyone. You know, we're getting reports from teachers that he was dead quiet. Then we've took him to play with us, got him involved in the coaching. Now suddenly he's talking all the time and that is huge for him. Because in two years, he's going to be off to university. You know, he might have to have a, he wants to do history. So he might have to have an interview to get into a university to study history. Yeah. Three months ago, he wouldn't have been able to do that. Because that know, was like with me as well. Because when you're literally in, in that situation as well, like with me, I was kind of working on the podcast, I was interviewing different people left, right, I was having the guys on for a conversation, it was perfectly fine. But when I noticed from, um, when I used to play Friday Night Football, like six, seven of the guys afterwards, when I came back to play football back in April, when everything was opened up, they were like, Hamza, you're a lot more vocal now, you're a lot more of a leader now on this pitch, you're, you're talking a lot more. And I'm like, am I? I feel like it's just me being me, but I think people just noticed me more because I was being a bit more, I think, I've explained it previously that we've we've taken our Friday night football a lot more serious over the summer yeah. because we've missed out on four or five months or so. But having that kind of confidence again to kind of go out, see your mates, have a, have a bit of a laugh and joke about it after the game, not not kind of during the game because you want to focus on winning and focus on doing well. Sure. Yeah. With kids at that age as well, like the fact that they had a couple of months off because they couldn't go into school or they're doing school from home and literally like you and I on, on the laptop now, imagine if this was like just them and like a single parent or if this was just them and then they couldn't see anyone else for the rest of the week as well. And even come on the weekend, they couldn't really see anyone because no one was rather confident besides playing on like Xbox or other games on the iPads or whatever it is. The fact that you're actually out seeing people, you're away from these devices, you're away from being distracted by different people. It's given 
for for me it's given a bit of bit of, it sounds cliche but it gives, it gives me a bit more faith in humanity that the fact that a lot yeah. of people yeah. are going are going into this kind of depth with kids so early like you mentioned with mental health we're a mental health podcast so we always talk about mental health all the time but we like for, for us the six of us we don't really understand the mental health of kids we would understand the mental health from our side as kind of adults now in 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 this situation but from a kid's perspective as well we wouldn't really class mental health as a thing that they would nearly that that they would they would really need help with but the fact that you mentioned it already the fact that we've kind of discussed it and we've kind of tiptoed around that topic as well how has that mental health kind of helped kids not just with the social aspects but with little things like feeling good about themselves um, physically as well because again we wouldn't really know what that's like currently at the moment as well but it's just a little fact that oh they scored a really good goal they're happy the coaches are encouraging them like to tackle more or, because obviously the whole two meter distance but they're getting a bit more comfortable yeah. kind of playing football again was that something you noticed as well that they were a bit shy coming back in after covid or were they just like that they were just up yeah yeah for sure i mean mental health is an interesting one because obviously when you get to a certain age you know i, I never really understood mental health until i got to like 21 and then suddenly i understand that oh i've gone through this actually i was going through depression there you know i, I was feeling really low when you're a kid you, you don't know like so obviously you don't have the experience so when you're feeling really down you don't know that you actually might be going through depression yeah. So, you know, generally it's it's quite a difficult thing to look at a kid and go, oh, they're struggling with mental health. You know, you can sometimes recognise it in adults a bit more. There's, there's obviously signs and stuff. Uh, but with a kid, it's generally quite difficult because they've probably never been through it before. So maybe you've seen how they act the first time. But for sure, like, you know, when we were back at coaching and, and even in the summer after the first lockdown, you know, when I've worked, I've, I've worked with, you know, with, with kids, I've worked with adults, the first sessions, it's all a bit weird and no one really knows how to talk and it's dead quiet and people are shy and don't feel confident and maybe don't really want to take hold of the ball. They try and pass it straight away. And certainly, you know, I'm not, I'm not even really thought about it, but as I was just listening to you there, when I think back to, you know, people I've coached recently and when you see them now from coming back after lockdown, massive. You know, for example, we've got uh, a last called Chloe playing for Oakley. Uh, She's uh, been given captaincy a few times. Yeah. And just her progression, it's just gone from there to there. She's suddenly a great communicator, great leader, incredibly confident in herself. And that is just massive from when you've seen her when she first comes. She's just shot up through that, just through playing sport. And again, and, and this is maybe what people don't realise as much, particularly with kids, it, you're, not all, you're not always chucking them into sport to get them to lose weight or to get them to move and get off the iPad. But at the same time, it is that life skill development. You know, if I don't get out of the house in two or three days and speak to someone different, I, I, I go mental. I have to talk to people because otherwise I just feel like, oh God, what's that? I'm just stuck in a rut. What am I doing? And sometimes that's probably underestimated. You know, oh, he's on his Xbox or she's on, you know, Nintendo or whatever. Or, or they're entertaining themselves. Yeah, but how do you know they're all right? You know, you know what I mean? You, you have got to gill them out and just because you, the huge difference, like I say, with some kids I've worked with, when you see them from then to now, it's huge. Suddenly they can talk, they're talking all the time. They've, they've almost made new mates. They're incredibly confident in themselves. They, they feel happy and look happier. Maybe they were happy when they first come, but you know, and, and I think that's maybe what as coaches, we've, we've just got to be aware of. It's difficult to, to kind of see the signs of that. You know, obviously there's, 
there's you know loads of other stuff regarding safeguarding but mental health i think is from my experience and you know other people might say differently but i think it's quite a hard thing to to look for in kids yeah and you maybe don't you could you'd have no idea unless someone's maybe disclosed to you that they're struggling so uh from that impact from playing sport i, I think it's hugely important yeah i would say so as well i was just gonna use my my usual line of brilliant but it's not brilliant how we just talked about it. It's brilliant just to hear your point of view about it as well. The fact that it's something that coaches nowadays are looking for in kids. They may not find it straight away, but it's the fact that it's always on their mind as well, which is great. Um, but I do know you have to leave in a bit, Sam. So I'm going to be a bit selfish and take some of your time to ask how I can be a better goalkeeper for my football tournament. So three tips that I would use in a five-a-side game. So when you've got those small goals that are like below my shoulder, how do you think I should kind of go and goal? Low hands, side hands, big hands? wide starts how would i go sir a very interesting question um very interesting question because i have no experience as a goalkeeper <laughs> um, what, I, what i think would benefit you definitely would be able to to play with feet mm. uh, and i don't say that because that's the trend now i, I generally think that all keepers have, have benefited just from playing outfield and, and playing football and learning how to use your feet and also I, I read a study quite recently that keepers that are comfortable on the feet are more likely to save with the feet so if you look at david de Gea, for example he was always renowned, not so much now, but years ago. That he was always he'd make great saves with his feet, wouldn't he? Yeah. And that's probably directly because he was very comfortable playing on his feet. So that would be my first one. Um, I always think that the sort of it, so you know when you see penalties and you sort of see the keepers put their hands up. Yeah. There's been a study done around that, and and what happens is when they put their hands up or they stand like towards the left, it puts the player off because if you stand towards the left, you're saying to that player, "Go on then." Show sure, lights open, and then suddenly a quick stance over. You've got them mentally. You've got them. Uh, you know, if you put your hands up, they're more inclined to shoot low. So yeah. if I'm putting my hands up, I know he's going to go there. So I think that interesting. How you say body position, I definitely think sort of a low, wide stance or hands up all the time does put attacking players off. Uh, you know, I, I used to play up front five side, and actually, when I think about it, if it was a keeper with his hands up, it always kind of put me off because I'd, I'd think to shoot low. Mm. But they know you're going to go so. low. That's why they're doing it. And, and exactly. when you think about it, it's quite quite interesting, isn't it? So I, I hope they were good tips for you. <laughs> no, that's, that's, those are perfect tips and something that I'll happily take into my game on Sunday. But Sam, I know you need, I know you need to go. Uh, we'll get you on for another episode before the end of the year because it's been a great time talking to you. I've had a lovely conversation and I can't wait to see what happens for the upcoming season as well. So uh, Sam, if you have any closing messages, by all means, go for it. But everyone, thank you very much for listening. Our GoPro Friday Night Football is still on our YouTube channel. Our show, Check It Out, is out every Friday as well on YouTube. And follow us on all of our social media pages in the link below. But Sam, you're welcome to close out the show. Yeah, just uh, thanks for having me on. Really enjoyed it. I've not done one of these for a while, a podcast appearance. So I hope I wasn't too rusty. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I've listened to quite a few episodes. I really like what you're doing. Uh, thanks for having me on. And just you know, anyone interested in uh, myself, I've got my own website, samomshaw.com. So... Do have, do have a gander, particularly if you're a coach and you're interested in coaching. I put a lot of resources on. And, and please do check out the uh, the Home Show Academy. Uh, you can find our website, thehomeshowacademy.co.uk. But, uh, yeah, thanks for having me. So, uh, thanks for having me on, Hamza. Really enjoyed it. And uh, sorry, I've got to go. We are getting into a good conversation there, weren't we? Fortunately, yeah. me, me. Not looking right. forward to it, let me tell you. Much more to be chatting to you. <laughs> that's why I was like, we'll get you on again because I don't want to leave this conversation too early. It's perfectly fine. But no, Sam, thanks for your time. Uh, everyone listening, thank you very much for listening. Take care and goodbye.